Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Good chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus the Hurricane, who would win? Dicker, Dicker. Dicker. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns with you once again. Seven practices in the books. Two, Two with Pat. Real football. Sorry. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm jumping in. I'm cutting you off. Want me to do the intro? No, it's all... It, uh, no, I don't want you to do it. I'll do it. <laughs> are you excited? Speaking of that, are you excited for a football game tonight? I am. I am. Although, no, although did you see you're the Savannah? Watch it. I am. I always watch like the first five minutes, and then I realize I don't know anybody's name, and I leave. And I mean that respectfully. Because we, well, it's gonna be Zach Wilson versus Kellen Mond. Because if we're all okay, I know some of those names, but if 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 we're all being honest with ourselves, we don't know everybody on that field. Come the second quarter. Oh, no chance. Like yeah. even football executives will tell you the same, unless you work for those teams. Yeah, you may know a few of those guys, but the quarterbacks tonight are actually interesting, though, because uh, once uh, Kellen Mond plays, then after that, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie out of UCLA, will take over for the Browns. So anyway, we're not here to do a Hall of Fame game preview. The Savannah Bananas are on ESPN tonight. Oh, is that what you were trying to say? Yeah. Wow. Good job by them. I want to get to know those business people. Yes. They have turned, they have turned nothing into something very quickly. Well, minor league baseball has always been full of gimmicks. Yeah. But this is just like fully embracing. <laughs> yeah, this is like Bill Vec on steroids. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know what? The kids love it. We're going to yeah. watch tonight. Okay. Actually, that's a good idea. I should. Uh, I'm gonna turn that on for James. That'll be a good time. Um, anyway, welcome in, Adam Hogue, Adam Johns. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns and um, read us on the Athletic, the Athletic.com and AllCHO.com newsletter for uh, my Bears things newsletter coming out every morning. Hopefully, people are enjoying that. Wrote about the secondary a little bit today. Uh, Johns has got some of the new merch on right now. And Adam, we trust, which of course he's uh, when he wears it, he's referring to me. When I wear it, I'm referring to him. So I appreciate I've, that. I, I've noticed you have not worn it yet. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> good point by you. Um, and all that's available at obviousshirts.com. 
I was actually talking to uh, Joe Johnson from Obvious Shirts this morning before we recorded this, and we got some exciting things coming, some of which I've shared with Johnsy a little bit, um, but also we're going to be uh, changing a little bit of the online. I'm really excited about it. We're going to have some of the online. We might have our own store, essentially, is what's going on here, I think. I don't know how any of this stuff works. That's why I appreciate Joe and Obvious Shirts and all the work that they do. They're awesome. Um, so make sure you go check them out at obviousshirts.com. Oh, boy, yesterday was an interesting practice, huh? It's fun. Yeah. It's like the first... You had your first fight. You had your first day where you're, you're, you're literally writing down what players are saying to each other because the chirping is so loud, and we yeah. have a great vantage point. Like, my favorite camp practices are when they're on field one, and we can watch from, like, the end zone, the corner of the end zone. That's usually where I set up. The vantage points are great. You get the real energy. Like you can hear the coaches yelling at the players. I, yeah. I just I just loved yesterday's practice. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I'm glad you brought that up, Johns, because yesterday felt like the old good old Bourbon A days. It felt like football. Like when we would we and it was like a daily occurrence. Like you didn't have to search for it. It was every day. You were down there, you'd walk over in the morning from the dorm, you'd be able to stand right damn there on the field. You could sometimes even interact with some of the players as they're chirping. Um, I'll never forget Marcus Wheaton just like coming over one day and just like standing with us while he wasn't playing, of course, or practicing, but he was there and uh, and he was like watching practice with us. And then almost, you know, there was more padded practices. There was longer practices and it was like a daily back and forth. And it was fun. And you could see kind of the like the rivalries within the team. Like you always knew Martel's Bennett was going to be involved with something. And you know, you just hoping he but wasn't you get, tossing you a good Kyle Fuller too far. <laughs> but when that happened, we were standing right there in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a fun practice. I, I you know, unfortunately for the Bears, it was the uh offense that struggled. Um quickly can I say one of my favorite training camp stories? Yes. This is Charles Tillman. Charles Tillman used to always like take a knee away from like the rest of his team just to, to cool off before he rejoined them. But usually he'd take a knee only with within steps of us. Right. And I think Bob Legear of the Daily Herald would share this best. Larry Mayer, a good friend from ChicagoBears.com, is sharing his Larry stories on the sideline. And Tillman is in earshot of all this. This is how close he is to, to us on the sideline. Eventually, Tillman just has enough. He goes, man, Larry, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally picture him saying that. There may have been a swear word in there, too. Then he puts his helmet back on and rejoins the drill. Larry, but, shut up. Man, oh. shut up. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. That's a good story. Um, look, here is... We're we're going to talk a little bit more about this too on the back end of the pod. We have Mike Sandel coming up uh, to talk about the quarterback tiers, which we're really excited about. But I did want to talk about this idea of energy here off the top of the pod, and it was very interesting to hear Justin Fields and Luke Getzey and Darnell Mooney all talk about this yesterday. Because John's one of my first takeaways walking off that practice field, no during practice, and and maybe it's like a little bit of the coach in me that was annoyed by it, but like. As the defense is dominating and chirping and yapping and has all this energy, I'm we're on the side of the with the offense, 
And it's like a church. I mean, you could hear everything that everyone was talking because the offense was making zero noise. The, 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 the energy over there was terrible. So what I loved hearing was as soon as the interview started, Luke Getze said that, Justin Fields said that, Darnell Mooney said like They all were like, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. We got to be better. It wasn't like this game where it's like, ah, I don't know. Like they, Everybody out there knew it. The defense won yesterday easily, and the offensive energy was terrible. Now, go do something about it. I think when that skirmish broke out with Valus Jones Jr., like I didn't have the best view of it because I was in the back of the end zone, but I asked Kevin Fishpain, our, our, our good friend, the Fishman. Like, I saw pretty there? good. Yeah. Yeah. He just said he just get, he was getting bullied by the defensive backs. Yeah. I mean, how would you characterize it? Well, the way I viewed what happened was it was kind of a, what I would call a hospital ball, where in a game, he probably gets leveled. And I can understand in a tr- practice, it's just not worth getting hurt. So Vela's kind of pulled up. Now, I'd love to see the film on whether or not he should have or what the coaches would have said. Hey, you got to go for that ball or maybe not. Maybe it's a smart decision because you don't want people to get hurt. You don't want collisions. I'm not sure. That could happen too fast for that. But he 100% pulled up. And what the defense was getting on him for was being soft. Yeah. Oh, and they, they let him they know it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just him because I, I saw Eddie Jackson long after the skirmish got broken up yelling over towards Chase Claypool and sideline. Y'all are soft. Y'all are soft. So that gives you an idea of how, you know, practice was going yesterday because the defense was feeling it and the offense was was uh, not only losing on the field with the reps, but they were losing the trash talk for sure at the same time. And those guys all ganged up on Velas to the point that he eventually just lost it and starts throwing. I, I think he threw a couple punches. I don't know if they got landed, but there were there were definitely some swings in there. Oh, they were in his head. Yeah. Jaquan Brisker literally ran by the offensive sideline, chirping the entire way, and then even got in his offensive coordinator's face saying, "Call another play." <laughs> I'm not. That wasn't the exact quote, but there was. Yes, I, I think we all heard it. And then he ran back to the huddle. That was it. the energy of the defense. And, and can I say something? Like we, we could bash the offense as much as we want, but like. I love that from the defense. Yeah. Like you should love that type of bravado and energy from a defense that feels good about itself after being one of the worst units in the league last season. Like you talk to some of those guys, there's a different vibe amongst them. It's the young players, it's the draft picks, but it's also like the veterans they've added Edmonds, Edwards in the middle, the Marcus Walker when he's healthy. Why does that guy bring a bunch of trash talk? Just a different bravado amongst the defensive players. I want to give you one more, too, because it came from a rookie. But I think it was in the two-minute drill when the twos were against the ones. And P.J. Walker threw a deep ball to Bayless Jones, and it was underthrown. Um, oh, this is Tyreek Stevenson. Tyreek Stevenson, yeah, he broke it up. And Justin Fields is on the sideline begging for a pass interference call from the ref and Tyreek Stevenson doesn't say anything at first, but eventually he's just like, throw it again, throw it again. He's just yelling, throw it again, throw it again. Cause he was just like, no, that was good coverage. Throw it again, do it again. See what happens. And I love seeing that from a rookie. It, it was good coverage. It was good. coverage. Yeah. He got beat by a step, but that's a hard 
pass to make. That's a hard ball to complete. His, he, he collected himself for what's, what's the scouting phrase. Um, his catch up speed was good. Yeah, Perfectly timed that like once that ball hit Bayless's hands, his arm was in there. Yeah. And those officials, I feel like they've called a lot of flags throughout the, the days that we've seen him out there. Mm-hmm. And they were both, one of them was right there, like five feet away. Nothing. No, he played through the hands, closed. It was probably a little underthrown. PJ Closing Walker. speed. That's P- what I'm looking PJ for. PJ Walker was just not good yesterday. I, I still like him. I still think it was a good signing, but there were some passes that weren't even within 10 yards where they were supposed to be. It's <laughs> like, what's happening here? So, um, and that one wasn't terrible, but it was definitely underthrown. And if he had let him a little bit more, Bayless Jones probably catches it in stride. But regardless, Love the swagger from the defense. That's the upside of it. And I think the secondary is pretty fun to watch, which is uh, one of the encouraging things from the early part of training camp so far. So we'll see how the offense bounces back on Friday. Um, They got to bounce back somehow. I don't know if the pads will be on or not or what kind of practice it'll be, but um, they got to play better than they did yesterday without a doubt. But I do think this has been a... It's been a while, John, that... That I can remember there being a legitimate back and forth from the offense and deep. Like I thought early on in camp, the offense was getting the best of the defense. And I, this is how it's supposed to be. Too many years we're talking about how the defense is just dominating and we're two weeks into it. This has been back and forth. And I think that that's kind of what Getsy alluded to, what Fields alluded to yesterday. And I think they, they do believe that. To go back to. Well, the bourbon egg conversation. Some of it feels kind of familiar when when the Bears did add Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett. Like they were giving it back to very seasoned defense at that point. Where, where Lance Briggs, you could hear him two fields away, right? I, I still remember when when Martellus Bennett flung Kyle Fuller, and Lance Briggs is like dancing around, screaming intimidation factor, intimidation factor. That that was their their words or whatever to, to pump up Kyle Fuller because Kyle Fuller was having a, a pretty good camp at that point. Yeah. Screaming intimidation factor back at the offensive players as they're trying to, to break him up a bit. Then he, I think he had Martellus Bennett and Brandon Marshall get after each other. Um, and some interesting comments from Phil Emery later that day. That was an interesting day. Yeah, that was <laughs> an interesting, interesting name, Bourbon. That was an interesting But like, <laughs> like everything you just said, yeah, like the, the words back and forth, like that's what it reminded me of in training camp when you had an edge on both sides, which I think can only help a football team, especially one coming off a 3-1 season. And Chase Claypool did get one in yesterday because he, he cracked Tremaine Edmonds. It was a pretty big dude, and he said, "Go to sleep." <laughs> yes, go to sleep. <laughs> so now, unfortunately, that was kind of like, and I don't know if it was the defense responding to that specifically, but that's kind of right when the defense took yeah. over. So yeah. you know what? There were a couple plays earlier in practice, like on, on some run plays. Like Valus Jones Jr. had a great run at one play. I'm not going to give the specifics, or I'll get a text from somebody from the Bears. But like, good play. Physical down the field blocks from the tight ends, and you could see it. Like the offense asserted itself at some points in practice. The defense just responded with some aggression. Valus has not had a perfect camp, but I I actually think he's having a a pretty decent camp. I think he's helping. Good thing when we're talking about him. Yeah, we've been talking about a lot. I I think he's helping himself um, much better than last year. 
So, um, but whatever limited opportunities there are to return footballs in these preseason games will go a long way uh, to helping that too. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... Real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, should we get into the quarterback tiers a little bit here? Let's do it. Something uh, the Athletic and Mike Sando 
do so well every year. This was uh, dropped this week. We alluded to it a little bit on Tuesday's show, but uh, Justin Fields coming in tier three, number 21 overall. Mike Sandals, the guy that spends a lot of his offseason polling all types of NFL personnel to uh, put this list together, and we bring Mike Sando in right now. Well, the man behind the quarterback tiers, Mike Sando, joining us now. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Sando NFL. The presentation, the results, everything looks great here, Mike. Uh, love the, love every year talking to you about this, too. So thanks again for joining us. It's really great to be here, and it's fun. You know, In some of these various markets, there's just really fun conversations to be had around some of these quarterbacks. I was going to say, we have one here in Justin Fields, yeah. who, <laughs> yeah. who we can't yeah. stop talking about. Good days, bad days I know. at Hallis Hall. Um, I guess just your general takeaways and what you learn about Fields, just in terms of how he's viewed around the league. So Justin Fields came in low in Tier 3. Uh, he is sandwiched between Geno Smith and Ryan Tannehill. You know, that's... <laughs> not what you're going for long-term, but those guys are obviously at different spots of their careers. So what happens in the quarterback tiers is typically you come in, you start somewhere in tier four, you know, there's not enough information on the guy. And I think now after a couple of years, there's probably still not quite enough information. And that's why Justin Fields got 11 votes in tier four, but there's also, you know, I think a healthy amount of uh, skepticism over just how much better, he's going to become as a passer, which is really going to be the key for him, uh, you know, emerging and, and surging into the second tier. So there's a mix of voters. Like there's probably a contingent. Uh, there is a contingent that is betting on him and thinks a year from now, we're going to be talking about him high tier two. And then there's at least as many people, maybe even a couple more who aren't so sure. So what's interesting is last year he was tier four. And I remember having this conversation and pretty much all of us agreeing that, okay, by this time next year, he better be at least tier three. And yeah. I think, and he is now. And I think, yeah. you know, next year, that's the same goal. Like you want him to at least be in tier two and we'll see if that happens. I think where, if any of the uh, reaction here locally, Mike, to this has been like, well, wait a minute, come on. Uh, Daniel Jones is ranked ahead of him. Jimmy Garoppolo, even, uh, you know, I think some people have objected to, Tua and Jared Goff to some extent. Yeah, it, it's kind of the other quarterbacks in tier three, three who are ranked uh, ahead of him, which I think is just part of the fun arguments that we can have uh, with yeah. with a project like this. But I do think he is in the right tier right now. Yeah, there's just people. At, there's different types of quarterbacks at different stages of their careers. So if you were to ask, you know, Bears fans, would you like to sign up for the next five years of Justin Fields or? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or Tua or Daniel Jones, they're going to say they want the upside of Justin Fields. If we have to go uh, play one game and uh, you know know what we're going to get in that game, you might be better off with one of those other guys because of the consistency uh, that they have shown relative to what he has shown. I think that's where that is in 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 the tier three realm. He's just kind of you know, we're betting on what he can become. That's where the excitement is. Sure, the running is amazing, uh, but we know that's not enough to be, uh, you know, a consistently reliable uh, quarterback in big games or when your team falls behind or all that type of stuff. You, you kind of highlighted the 
maybe the Jalen Hurts effect, just in terms yeah. of how that's maybe changed the view uh, of Justin Fields. I'm curious, like, can you expand on that? Like, how did Hurts, like his success last year with the Eagles and everything they did yeah. to build around them, maybe influence some opinion yeah. with, with Fields this year? Well, I think in Jalen Hurts and I think in Josh Allen, uh, those are two players that came into the league with obvious physical gifts. Uh, they could really run their physical players, but there were big questions about their consistency and accuracy as a passer. And so what we have seen in Hertz's case was, hey, they changed the whole offense to become extremely run heavy. And then they sort of weaned uh, Hertz off of the overly run dependent into developing him as a pocket passer. And he really took off uh, in that realm. And I think Josh Allen probably started out in more of a passing offense and had his rough spots for a couple of years. And then he worked his way up slowly too. So I think there is some recent precedent uh, for us to see a path for Justin Fields. Now I had, I actually ran that by one of my voters yesterday, uh, a longtime offensive coach. And he said his yeah, but to that was that in his opinion, he thought that Fields and or Hertz and uh, Josh Allen, kind of on their worst day as passers early on, were better than what Fields is, and so that's you know that is the concern. How much better can he get now? On my screen here in front of us, in anticipation of this, what I did is I went into our little True Media site uh, with all the stats, and I pulled up the first two years of Justin Fields, Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts, and I threw in Lamar Jackson as well, just in the games they started. And it's kind of interesting for uh, Josh Allen was about a 57% passer and Justin Fields was 59.9. Hurts was 59. So we're all kind of in that. And Lamar was a little better. I'm going to put him off to the side because I think he really ascended more quickly. But these guys were all sub 60% passers in their first two years. They were all right around seven yards per attempt. They all kind of had, you know, their passer ratings were between 78 and 84 or 85, right? They were all kind of bunched like that. So, you know, to me, that gives some hope that there's a path forward for fields to improve as a passer too. And maybe we see that this year now that they've, you know, obviously invested in some weaponry for him. He had a, unlike Hertz, he has had a bad, terrible supporting cast. And I would say, uh, Buffalo did a better job early on too in the building of their team than Chicago has over the past couple, three years where they've been, you know, in transition and now kind of a, you know, a reset with, with new people. Mike, I'm fascinated with the, um, with the panel here of voters mm -hmm. and in it's, so it's 10 head coaches, 15 coordinators, 10 executives, four quarterback coaches, and Three involved in coaching analytics. And eight GMs, eight general managers. Eight, eight general managers. I, I just wonder if if you can give us, because obviously it's still anonymous, but if you can give us any idea, like, is Fields viewed differently through the prism of a GM compared to, like, I mean, yeah. we saw Mike McDaniel on the field last year, literally on camera, being like asking Justin Fields to stop running because he was driving him crazy. And it was a hilarious moment in the course of the season. But I just feel like he's getting and, – and can I ask you this too? Are some of the coordinators 
some of the 15 coordinators or some of those defensive coordinators too? Like just, just name these guys for Adam, will you? No, I'm not so, even asking yeah, no, you to do no, that. No, no. I love this. I love yeah. this part of it. So I'm actually, so I do have this, like, because when I do, when I keep track of the ballots, I uh, put, I group them by, you know, like the first eight or the GMs or whatever, right? I, so, because I like to look at them that way too. So I'm just looking here. Let, let's first go to his overall breakdown is five votes in tier two, 34 in tier three, and 11 in tier four. So almost a huge amount of the votes are in tier three. That, right. So so we say, okay, who's giving him, let's go, who's giving him twos, right? Who's most optimistic? Let's look at that. That's what I want to know. <laughs> so we got a, we got a couple of, we have a couple of head coaches. We've got a couple of them there. We got a non-GM, uh, two non-GM. Uh, no, th- the other three came from personnel people, executives that are not GMs. Okay, yeah. so that's did I say? I said two head coaches and three people that are high-ranking personnel, but not GMs. Okay, would be the highest on him. So those are and the five. Those are the five, those are the five tier, tier, two tier twos. And then uh, I said there was 11 tier fours. So three of those came from GMs. One, two, two of those from head coaches. Uh, looks like two of those from coordinators, I think, that were on offense as I look at this. And they're uh, all from teams that passed on Justin Fields. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> And then a couple are from those high-ranking executives, you know, that aren't GMs. And uh, one of them's another assistant coach. And one of them was kind of one of the editor coaches. So I'm not seeing like a huge, you know, pattern of that. I think, I do think the voting always is and does tell us about the voters though too. Um, I've always felt like, I don't know that this is the case on Justin Fields because he got so many threes, it's hard to to parse these out, but I, I've always felt like people that are offensive coordinators or quarterback coaches um, have their sort of favorite flavors of ice cream, right? Typically a GM is going to look, or a personnel person is going to look at the traits and be less worried about how that would apply to a specific offense, right? They want a talented player and it's up to the coaches, to get the most out of them. Some of those guys who are quarterback coaches or uh, have their own offense traditionally would want somebody who fits what they want to do, right? Now, I think the league's also evolving away from that because we're seeing Philadelphia change it up for Jalen Hurts. We saw Chicago change it up for Justin Field. That's kind of the new reality uh, in the league, and I think it's improving the chances for quarterbacks to make it because if you as a coach just stick with your system – uh, and and don't adapt it for your quarterback, you're going to be called out for it, and you're possibly going to be fired. You're not going to be successful. <laughs> Mike, how much do you change up maybe who you, you pull? I, I know it's, yeah. it's expanded over, over the years, but do you have like your your go-to personnel people, or do you expand it with, with different coaches or the coordinator that, be, that becomes the, the new head coach? Yeah, so my network is much bigger than 50 people, so it's definitely not yeah. the same. I'm sure there's a handful of people that have done it every year. I bet there's five people, you know, or something that I just, hey, yeah, are we doing this again, you know, that are in there. But I think there's a good turnover uh, from year to year, just out of necessity because of the schedules of everybody. It's hard to, it would be hard to get like the same people every time. 
So there's turnover. Like, uh, so there's, there's eight GMs this year. That's just how many I got. Maybe, maybe if things would have fallen differently, I would have gotten 12, you know, it's just, just the way that it came out based on who's in the office, who I can get a hold of, who I visited, you know, those sorts of things. So I think there's a good, healthy amount of uh, turnover for sure. Some people that are in it this year might've been in it three years ago, but not the last two years, right? They circle back or, or you meet somebody. I meet a lot of new people at the combine or other places and Hey, yeah, I'll call you. You want to be in it? Great. And then two out of three of those people you get a hold of the other one, you just, you know, are schedules didn't line up or whatever. So there's a good mix. It's not definitely not the same group. I like to mix it up. I like to have different groups represented in it. Off of fields, I'm I'm fascinated too by the uh, sort of the dividing line between tier one and tier two uh, this yeah. year because there are five quarterbacks in that top tier, including Aaron Rodgers, by the way, which kind of surprised me for some reason. Maybe it shouldn't, but he's still up there at number four. Um, meanwhile, Jalen Hurts, coming off the great season he had last year, and maybe it's just because it was just you know essentially one year at this point, um, he's still down in tier two, number six overall, and the overwhelming amount of votes for him came in in tier two. Um, yeah. Give us an idea of just where that split came, and does it feel? Because I know this is like this is just how the votes come out. To you, does it seem like there's too many quarterbacks in that top tier? Uh, no, I because I remember the end of uh, Rogers' run with Mike McCarthy when that offense was faltering and people were starting to whisper about uh, you know Aaron Rodgers and is he slipping? He has it, the production hasn't been the same. A lot of that was statistically based, and the voters in this almost still were unanimously tier wanting him. And then he came back and had two MVPs that kind of validated that. This year, I thought more people would. He got twenty votes in tier two. Before this, in his nine previous years in the poll, he had seven votes in Tier 2 and 401 in Tier 1. So this is a big shift. I do think it shows that uh, when somebody is established at a certain level, they will move, but they're not going to just plummet or rise way, way up in one year. Now, Jalen Hurts has risen up quickly. He was, a couple years ago, he was 30th, then he was 20th, now he's 6th. And we have seen other quarterbacks make that big push up to the top of tier two. And uh, Josh Allen one year was kind of hovering there at tier two after he had had maybe a tier one season. Lamar Jackson got to the top of tier two after his MVP year. And at that point, what happens is a lot of some people will put him into tier one already. Uh, and others will say, hey, you could make a case tier one right now, but I want to see him do it in another year. This is a pretty exalted club. Uh, to get into, and let's see him do it. And I think in Jalen Hurts' case, uh, for sure, a great situation. I mean, awesome offensive line. You know, they they have really good wide receivers. They got a lot of credit for their scheme on offense, what they did. They had a top defense. They weren't, while he was driving a lot of the success on the offense, it wasn't like they were in uh, back-and-forth shootouts where he's having to carry it in the fourth quarter, and we really got to see him in a ton of two-minute situations, pure passing situations, to just absolutely firmly put him in there. So I think Hertz is right where he should be, top of Tier 2. Come back next year if he's in Tier 1. Good for him. He's earned it. I feel like in years past, Tier 4 has been larger. Is it not? Is it just, are there just more middle-of-the-pack quarterbacks nowadays? Yeah. yeah. So – 
I thought one of the refreshing things about this year, and I'm going to pull up here uh, the 2022 quarterback tiers. We really said goodbye to Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold and Marcus Mariota and Zach Wilson and Davis Mills and Jameis Winston, a lot Carson Wentz. There was just kind of a lot of guys who were, eh, you know, their careers had sort of crested. They were kind of descending into tier four range and they just filtered out. And so now tier four is made up. I think six of the bottom seven people in it this year are new. And they're like, a lot of them are unknown. Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter. You got no idea what these guys are going to do. I kind of like it. It's a little fresh. You know, it feels a little fresher down there. There's not a Mike Glennon in there, or Ryan Fitzpatrick, those types of guys. Well, Mike, we really appreciate the info here and all the work that went into this. Uh, and if, if for some reason our listeners viewers have not checked this out they they got to right now on the athletic uh the presentation is awesome too just being able to click through each quarterback see the trends in past years uh very enjoyable project and we appreciate all the work you put into it thanks so much all right there he is mike sando from the athletic and some fascinating um it, I, I'm really intrigued also by when he, you hear him talk about where Jalen Hurts was or where Josh Allen was and the the parallels between those developments are still very intriguing because that's sort of the timeline Justin's on right now. And the big question is, is he going to have that year three breakout to hear John's that Hertz was 20th last year. Justin Fields is 21st right now. Hertz is now up to six. And I think it's important to in this conversation to understand that. Jalen Hurts, even after that last season, is still a tier two quarterback. We, I think what people are sometimes confusing, and I don't mean to, I'm the guy who loves Jalen Hurts, so I don't want to be like bashing Jalen Hurts now. But just because he was in the MVP conversation last year, and rightfully so, number two in the voting, does not mean that he's all of a sudden like the number two quarterback in the NFL. So when you or me or any of us say, can Justin Fields make the Jalen Hurts jump? People, I think, immediately go to MVP. Well, not necessarily. Just a player who went from bottom tier three to top of tier two. That's the question. Everybody, Justin Fields should be in tier two next year if he makes the jump that we all expect that he possibly could make this season. I think the Bears would take the top five of tier two, because now you're talking about a top 10 quarterback. Like, do you know hard, how hard that is? We've not experienced that level of quarterback play in Chicago since ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in all, in all seriousness, especially since this has become a quarterback driven league, right? Jay Cutler, middle tier guy, his entire career for the bears, Trubisky lower than that. You just heard, heard Mike reference him, but just to go to, Forget sixth. I'll take ninth or tenth. Yeah. Even 11th. That means more wins for the Bears, more success for Fields. A lot of good things has, have happened for the Bears if that jump occurs. But but let me let me bring up something here where I think there is a huge difference between the top of tier two and the bottom of tier two. And it has to do with money. It has to do with contract extensions. So right now, top of tier two, we're talking about Jalen Hurts. We're talking about Lamar Jackson. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence. Those are the top three guys. Those are all guys right now that 
either have been paid or will be paid. They're not going anywhere on their respective teams. You go to the next three guys on tier two, and we're talking Dak Prescott, who isn't necessarily going anywhere, but certainly there's starting to be some chatter in Dallas about are they ever going to win a Super Bowl with Dak? Should they be looking towards the future eventually? Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson, who did get paid, but who the hell knows if that's really going to work out? And then your guy, Kirk Cousins, to wrap up tier two, who's probably on his last year in Minnesota before they look to move on. As soon as you get in the top of tier three, we're talking Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, all these guys that... More question marks. Well, it's... For various reasons. We, we quickly shifted from guys who are no doubt the future of their franchises to a bunch of players in there that's like, did they make a mistake paying them? Or are they being paid too much money? Where the Bears need to be, ideally, at the end of 2023, is Justin's our guy. We're going to extend him. We're moving. There's no question about it. You don't want to be in the uh, Daniel Jones situation. Who got paid. Who they pay him, and the whole world's like, well, that was dumb. Well, I think that's just another example of just how scarce quarterbacks good ones are right they're hard to find we know that well in Chicago like Prescott got paid Stafford got paid Stafford got a Super Bowl so like mission accomplished for him in LA in all honesty got a Super Bowl it's Matthew Stafford like Kirk Cousins got the first guaranteed fully guaranteed contract of anybody in the NFL got a couple of them yeah and I think Cousins is still an example at 34, 35 years old, again, of how hard it is to get that position right. Is he a top 10 quarterback? No, but he's flirting with it. It has 10, 11, 12. He's 12 on this list. They're hard to find. I think it would just be a positive if Fields can be part of that conversation. Right now, he's not. Could he be? We'll have to see, but just in terms of the Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts timeline, it, it's the receiver. It, it's DJ Moore added to the conversation now because you saw that happen with A.J. Brown in Philly, Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. That next step for those quarterbacks came when they got a number one wideout. The Bears have that now. We'll see what comes to fruition. And when they went into at least the second year of the offensive system that they were trying to master. So some continuity. I I I maintain that yes, Jalen Hurts might be the best example um or highest reaching example, if that makes sense. Maybe it's a little bit of a reach for that big of a Why, jump. This I don't year. think it's I don't think it's a reach. But but I but I guess that's what I'm saying, Johns, is I think it's fair. I I, I think you look at the parallels, you look at even their style of play to some extent and fields is obviously bigger, but there's, there's a lot there that, that makes sense, especially when you look at how hurts and that offense shifted in the middle of his second season to accommodate him better. Then they added the weapons. Then they said, okay, now make that leap as a passer. It all makes sense there. And it's just a matter of can Justin do it or not. What do you think when you watch him at Hell's Hall? I think I think he's growing. I, I'm not going to let yesterday's practice cloud my mind into 
well, wait a minute. I mean, I, do I do I feel any more definitive that that jump's happening than I did two weeks ago before camp started? Not necessarily, but I don't think it's. I definitely don't think if this is like 2019 where we're looking at Mitch and we're like, I don't know, and we're constantly asking Nagy every day, well, what what's what's happening here? And he's like, oh, well, we're just trying to challenge him and we're trying to throw a lot at him, and it's better that he makes these mistakes now than in the season. Like, we're not hearing that from Getze either. It, it's, I think camp has been more back and forth than I can remember between the offense and the defense. I'm yes, the two days pads goes on the, the pads went on. They didn't look outstanding offensively. Yesterday's practice was obviously not very good for Justin Fields, but I still think overall, I like what I've seen for the most part. And they are also challenging them at the same time. They are throwing a lot at them. I, I just think if you're going to talk about like like his interception of Kyler Gordon, bad ball. Mm-hmm. Bad ball. I had a great angle on that, kind of at the corner of the end zone. Gordon seemed to read him the entire way. The interception, the chase uh, off Chase Claypool's fingers in seven on sevens, bad ball. Little late, little high. Easy interception for Jaquan Brisker. Easy. Bad place. But then, at the same time, if you're going to mention that, then, then mention his success. In the, I want to say it was an end of half, 10 10 situation, 10 10 ball game, um, where it's there's 150 left on the clock, two timeouts, and he's starting on, the, on their own 25. Yeah, you want the touchdown, but as Matt Eberflus would say, but we'll take the field goal. They got the field goal. He moved the ball in that situation, showed a great connection with Chase Claypool again, and three consecutive passes in a row to Cole Komet when DJ Moore was covered. Like, that's a positive, especially with two backups playing in your offensive line. Yeah. Like, I, I take that, too. You know, like, take the positives with the failures. I don't think you could, like, separate or highlight one past the other. You really can't, because at this point, I do think, I agree with you, there, there's been more back and forth. And who knows, maybe the Bears' defense is really that good. That's, that's secondary. is talented, man. They're raising a lot of problems for a lot of good players on that Bears offense. Uh, that's what we're, I wrote. We're talking about your starters. Yeah, that's what I wrote about my newsletter this morning uh, for CHGO diehards. I, 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 that's one of my biggest conclusions of the first seven practices we've seen. That secondary is pretty damn good. They're underrated. That whole back seven, those linebackers are good too. Yep. And I, and I do think there's some truth to the idea that this talented secondary that's showing some instincts, jumping on some balls. And by the way, they're also, I think, figuring out this offense a little bit um, in recent days. I think that's also part of the equation. But when you hear Getze say that the windows are smaller because Tremaine Edmonds is covering that much ground, well, ideally, you get to the regular season, the practicing against that every day will hopefully help Justin, and hopefully some of those windows look just a touch bigger, and maybe that'll help him. It should. You know, we were joking about that that quote, like iron sharpens iron. We finally, we finally got it over the past couple of days. Yeah, like finally, it finally came out because yeah. you, you know it does. Um, at least, like, I want to trust my own instincts on this. This is like my what twelfth training camp or something like that. Yeah, you're that old. defense has some players. Yeah, we're getting old. We're not the young guys on the beat anymore. Like that defense has some players. We're not just talking up guys with potential. You're actually seeing it produce 
like with highlight real plays, like very athletically made plays. Yeah. Speed, skill, all of the above. You're seeing that. And you're seeing some of the edge swagger. Like those guys want to hit just in terms of having the right demeanor. That's there on the defense. Like I, I, I got a good sense. We were talking about this yesterday. I think the Bears can run the ball again. And I think this defense has some difference makers that weren't there, or at least weren't ready to be true difference makers as rookies, as young players. They're starting to show this year. You know, we're all so programmed and fans are too when they're out there watching practice to like judge the offense so much and maybe overreact a little bit when the offense struggles. What One of the low-key, most positive things I think I saw yesterday in that bad offensive practice, okay, when they had that bad stretch where there were like th- three tip balls that turned into interceptions in a matter of about two minutes, that was bad. And like two of those balls should have been caught and weren't. And Justin, the other one that you mentioned earlier, was a high throw that went off Chase Claypool's hands. The defense caught all those, though. And all three of those required like a quick reaction to adjust to the football. And one, maybe two of them, probably would have been a pick six in a game. So it's like, let's not ignore that part of it that in the past, I think you would have seen, oh, you know, like the defense, oh, I should have caught that, you know, like I didn't react fast enough. And to your point about like them making athletic plays and showing the instincts, like we're seeing that right now. That ball was not hitting the ground because the defense, those those DBs reacted and made great catches on those tip balls. They did. They did. And we can start talking about the guys up front. Like Jervon Dexter had a day yesterday. Dominique Robinson had a day yesterday. Two young guys, especially Robinson, who, who you need to see some development from. You saw some flashes yesterday in that backfield all day. I don't think it was a great day for the offensive line. I don't think that helped fields whatsoever, but sometimes you need to have these bad days. Like Darnell Wright needs to have some bad days in order to get better. He's supposed to fail. He's a rookie. His first training camp, two padded practices in the books. He's supposed to have some problems. Yeah, that's okay to say now for sure. It's just you hope it doesn't continue. Like there's gonna be some problems three weeks season. from now. He's a rookie. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of the offensive line right now. Slightly concerning. Like I can't figure out if. There's some like sneaky, decent pass rushers on this team that we weren't really planning on, or if the tackles are just struggling. Maybe it's maybe it's a little both. Or when you got your backup guards in there, Lucas Patrick and Alex Leatherwood. Yeah. This Tevin Jenkins thing, that's... Uh... They came on a run play. So if you're just catching up, he left practice yesterday with uh, with the training staff. Walked off, didn't seem comfortable whatsoever. This is a day after talking about how he's been working extensively on his back, strengthening it. Um, we won't bring up. Not good. We won't bring up who was asking the specific questions on that. Was being Carm? A, no. Was it you? Was it, it you it and Carm? Was or was it you yeah, Carm? I mean, I jinxed it, obviously. That's what I'm being accused of. Yes. That's how this mm-hmm. works. So I'm a bad guy. that in the last podcast. Yeah. Uh, probably not. I wish I had that much power. 
but definitely do not. <laughs> like the curse? Yeah. I could just start cursing people. You're, you're that guy at the casino called the cooler where there's a hot table and you're the bad luck guy that <laughs> sits the casino sends up sends off to their sends up to the table to cool things off. That's you, the cooler. The cooler. Yeah. Sounds like a fun job. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're making money, you're all bad luck. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yes. Come on, that doesn't make a difference. Yes. I guess I'm just not very superstitious. Yeah, I don't know. Keep, keep talking. Casino cooler definition. A cooler is a casino employee who is sent to tables to stop winning streaks. The theory is that the presence of the cooler in of itself will in turn give bad luck to the rest of the table. Great. So now I'm the cooler. Now you're the cooler. Okay. Things are going great. Just a couple guys out. Adam Oak starts talking about injuries. I did. I started. I was like, hey, it's great that they're not getting hurt. And then. And we haven't seen Nate Davis since. Nate Davis was like, ah, I heard that. I heard what the cooler said. I'm just going to disappear for two days. I'm out. I'm out. Tevin's like, ah, my back's hurting again. Yeah. Sand God. The sand God just like, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's true. Um, Anything else from the the two padded practices, cooler? (laughs) Um. (laughs) No, I think, um, you know, I'm like I said earlier, I'm excited to see how the offense bounces back. I think it'll be a fun weekend of practices, um, you know, just like we talked about off the top. I think with the offense understanding that the energy sucked and they got their ass kicked by the defense, I I'm intrigued to see how they they fight back. See, like I, I enjoyed that about Justin Fields yesterday. I think he handled everything just just great. Luke Getze too. I like that Luke Getze is, is immediately like that wasn't real football. That was touch football. Knowing or not perhaps knowing but believing believing that his guys were going to run through some of those tackles. Yeah. Like there was one on the far sideline which they called him down uh, for a fourth down. Did you see that one? That that was before like his, his his blow up. Oh, where I I think in a in a real game situation, the running back I think it was Herbert fights for that extra yardage and gains that first down. But in this case, like the first butt slap he got, yeah. he was down. I wonder if <laughs> that's, that's why like that. in the two minute drill I thought there was one that they were generous in giving them the first down, and I wonder if that was an adjustment to that because yeah it's when you it's hard and look we we make fun of the chain gang in the uh in actual football games when they're tackling and like how is that accurate at all imagine if they're playing touch football and you gotta like yep you're down there but you're down yeah are you really because he's probably at least falling forward if he's being tackled so who knows i, I did i did like that sacks were called though yeah got that's another thing that's hard to call though with Justin, because oh. when Jervon Dexter is like literally on top of him, <laughs> I think actually it was on PJ Walker. At it's that amazing point, that but. his sack percentage last year was like fourteen point whatever, and it's like how many did he get out of too? Yeah, I mean it. That's they uh, they got to be better up front. So you don't like to see these injuries right now. Well, I'm excited to see how they uh, the offense bounces back in Friday's practice, but. Uh, 
Look, yesterday there was a lot to talk about. It was it was interesting, so I'm glad we were able to get back together today and discuss it all and uh, talk to Mike Sando about the quarterback tiers and, and just sort of more of the big picture with Justin Fields. We said it last year. Had to be in Tier 3 this year. He is. Maybe you wish he was a little bit higher. That's fair. But just get to Tier 2 next year, and you're moving in the right direction with the quarterback's career. So uh, make sure you go check that out, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can click through it, read about all the quarterbacks, um, and see their trends, how they've gone from year to year. It's pretty interesting stuff, so go and check it out. Follow us at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Any final thoughts there, my friend? No, no. You going to Family Fest? No. Same. No. No. Double no. Can we not have Family Fest in the same day as Lollapalooza? They always do that. Well, they don't always. Well, they did always do it, but then last year was actually a weekday, which I really enjoyed. But obviously, attendance is probably lower. It's like a Tuesday something at 10 o'clock. Like, yeah, I don't want to practice under the lights. I don't know. It's a cool thing they do, but um, my attendance is over the years has probably been like Justin Fields sack percentage, somewhere around 14%. (laughs) That might be lower. (laughs) Yours is probably lower. I think last year was the first one I went to since the uh, Hironis Grisou torn ACL. I think that's the last one I went to. Yeah. I think that was the last one because I vividly remember being on the sideline when that happened. Yeah, we were allowed to be on the field then. Um, Now we're not allowed to be on the field. I remember being at the Mark Trestman one where he's being asked questions when not only fireworks are going off, but Martellus Bennett's video is being shown in the Jumbotron. Oh, yeah. And him going, what was that, Kevin? (laughs) (laughs) Ken, right? You call him Ken? What was that, Ken? What was that, Ken? He he always called Kevin Ken, and he always called J.D. David Haw. Yes. Yeah. No, he called or, David Haw JD. Oh, he called David. Okay. Vice versa. Okay. Yes. Jeff. Uh, the memories. Oh, that's right. He would call David Haw Jeff. Yes. That's what it was. Good times. What was that? I wish we had that audio. What was that, Ken? What was that, Ken? It's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Fireworks are going off. It's loud. Oh, those were the days. And uh, very scarily, almost 10 years ago at this point, which I don't want to think about. All right, we're out of here. We'll be back next week. Should be a fun weekend of practices. Uh, We'll reconvene probably on Tuesday morning, break it all down for you, see where things are at at that point. And, um, yeah, in the meantime, read Johnsy in The Athletic. Find me at allchgo.com. Newsletter still coming out daily for CHGO diehards. Appreciate all the feedback on that. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Justin 